Section 15 of The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life by Homer Eon Flint Part 4 The Queen of Life Chapter 2 Speaking of Venus the architect was still dressed in the fashionably cut suit of men's clothes she had worn while in the car. Van Emmon thought of this when he said somewhat awkwardly, Well, I'm going to fix something to eat. It'll be ready in half an hour, Miss, uh, Jackson. She looked at him slightly puzzled, then understood. Do you mean to give me time to change my clothes? Thanks, but I'm used to these. And besides, with spirit, I never could see why women couldn't wear what they choose so long as it is decent. There was no denying that hers were both becoming and decent. Modelled after the usual riding costume, both coat and breeches were youthfully rather than mannishly tailored, and the narrow vertical stripe of the dark grey material served to make her slenderness almost girlish. In short, with her poet-style hair, her independent manner and direct speech, she was far more like a boy of twenty than a woman nearing thirty. She walked with Van Emmon, dodging machinery all the way, across the big car to the little kitchenette over which he had presided. There, to his dismay, the girl took off her coat, rolled up her sleeves, and announced her intention of helping. "'You're a good cook, Van. I mean, Mr. Let it go at Van, please,' said he hastily. My first name is Gustav, but nobody has ever used it since I was christened. Same with my Edna, she declared. Mother's name was Williams, and I was nicknamed Billy before I can remember. So that's settled, with great firmness. The point is, Van, you're a good cook, but everything tastes of bacon. I wish you'd let me boss this meal. He looked rebellious for an instant, then gave a sigh of relief. I'm really tickled to death. A little later the doctor and Smith, looking across, saw Van Emmon being initiated into the system which constructs scalloped potatoes. Next he was discovering that there is more than one way to prepare dried beef. For once we won't cream it, said E. Billy Jackson dryly as Van Emmon laid down the can opener. We'll make an omelette out of it and see if anything happens. She was already beating the eggs. He cut up the meat into small pieces, and when he was finished, took the egg-beater away from her. He turned it so energetically that a speck of foam flew into his face. Go slow, she advised, nonchalantly reaching up with a dish-towel and wiping the fleck away. Whereupon he worked the machine more furiously than ever. Soon he was wondering how on earth he had come to assume, all along, that she was not a woman. He now saw that what he had previously considered boyishness in her was in fact simply the vigour and freshness of an earnest, healthy, energetic girl. It dawned upon him that her keen grey eyes were not sharp but alert, her mouth not hard but resolute, her whole expression instead of mannish, just as womanly as that of any girl who had been thrown upon her own resources and made good. He soon found that his eyesight did not suffer in any way because he looked at her. Now, she remarked in her business-like way as she placed the brimming pan into the oven, I suppose that I'll hear various hints to the effect that a woman has no business trying to do men's stunts. 
and I warn you right now that I am prepared to put up a warm argument. Of course, said the geologist, with such gravity that the girl knew he didn't mean it. Of course a woman's place is in the home, surrounded by seventeen or eighteen children, and cooking for that many more hired men besides. She is simply ideal. We realise that. Then, admitting that much, why shouldn't a woman be as independent as she likes? Think what women did during the war. Remember that a lot of women are doctors and lawyers. Is there any good reason why I couldn't design a library as well as a man could? None at all, agreed Van Emmon, handing over the dish of chopped meat. The girl carefully folded the contents into the now sponge-like omelette as he went on. By the way, a neighbour of mine told me just before I left that he was having trouble with a broken sewer. How would you like to... About as well as you'd like to darn socks, she came back, evidently being primed for such comments. She took a look at the potatoes and then permitted the geologist to open their sixth can of peaches. I must say they're good, she admitted as she noted the eagerness with which he obeyed. Bread and butter, olives, coffee and cake complemented that meal. The table was set with more care than usual, a clean cloth and napkins being unearthed for the occasion. When Smith and Kinney were called, both declared that they weren't hungry enough to do justice to it all. "'It's just as well you weren't very hungry,' commented Billy as she finished giving each of them a second helping of the potatoes. "'There's barely enough left for me.' And she took it. "'Say, I never thought of it before, Miss—ah, uh, Miss Billy.' said Smith, colouring. But you eat just as much as a man. Ye gods, how shocking, she jeered. Come to think of it, Smith, you eat more than a woman. The doctor's face grew red with some suppressed emotion. After a while he said soberly, I'll tell you what's worrying Smith. He's afraid that women, having suddenly become very progressive, will forge entirely ahead of men. You understand, having started they can't stop and I must admit that I've thought seriously of it at times myself. Me too, added Van Emmon earnestly. I have the same feeling about it that an elderly man must have when he sees a young one get on the job. Instead of being glad that the women are making good, I sort of resent it. I knew it, exclaimed the girl delightedly, but I never heard a man admit it before. Perhaps it isn't as serious as we think said the practical smith, scraping the bottom of the potato pan. I believe that the progress of women may have a fine effect upon men, making us less self-satisfied and more alert. For one thing, glancing about the cube, we've got to clean up a bit now that we know you're a woman. The architect's eyes flashed. Because you know mighty well I'll light in and do it myself if you don't. That's what you mean. Please take notice that I am to be respected, not because of what I am, but because of what I can do. In behalf of myself and companions, I surrender, said the doctor gallantly. Then he instantly added, And yet even when we are actually chivalrous, we are disregarding your desire to be appreciated for what you are worth. Pardon me, Miss Billy. I'll not forget again. At the same time, my dear, remembering that he had a daughter of his own, nearly the builder's age. We men have come to think of women primarily as potential mothers and secondarily as people of affairs. And considering that motherhood is something that is denied to us lords of the earth, for which we can thank a merciful providence, interjected the girl solemnly. 
excuse my seriousness, really amazing fact, you can't blame us for expecting women to fulfil this vital function before taking up other matters. Yes, remarked the girl, watching the peaches with an anxious eye as Van Emmon helped himself. Funny, but I always understood that the first function of man was to father the race, yet invariably the young fellows try to make names for themselves before, not after they marry. Scout, chuckled Van Emmon, as the doctor hid his discomfiture behind a large piece of cake. You may know a lot about Venus, Doc, but you don't know much about women. Speaking about Venus, Smith was reminded, we may learn something bearing upon the very point we have been discussing if Kin is right about the inhabitants. The doctor nodded eagerly. You see, if there's people still alive on the planet, they're probably farther advanced than we on the Earth. Other things being equal, of course. Being a smaller planet than ours, she called off sooner and thus became fit for life earlier, and having been made from the same batch, to use Van's expression, that Mercury and all the rest were, why in all likelihood evolution has taken place there, much the same as with us, only sooner. I should expect, he elaborated largely, that we shall find the inhabitants much the same as we humans, only extremely civilised. It may be that they are as far above us as we are above monkeys. Smith broke in by quoting an astronomer who contended that Venus kept only one face toward the sun. Maybe she always did, Kinney. The doctor shook his head. See how perfectly round she is. No ablateness whatever. It proved that she once revolved. Otherwise she'd be pear-shaped from the sun's pull. There was a short silence during which Billy concluded that the only scraps left would be the coffee grounds. Then Van Enman pushed away from the table, got to his feet, stretched a little to relieve his nerves, and said, Well, whatever we find on Venus, I hope the women do the cooking. End of section 15